listening to Talk That Science here on Echo Box Radio. I am Nikki and I'm here with Eveline and together we host Talk That Science. We are a science podcast in which we play some nice tunes while talking about the coolest research. The topic of today is fungal networks. Since the 90s, an interesting idea about plants has become popular. This is the idea that plants can communicate. Some scientists argue that through an underground network of fungi, trees in forests can alarm each other and exchange nutrients. This is also inspired uh, this has also inspired the idea that plants in a forest do not live alone but together as a type of community. In this episode, we will talk to Vincent Merckx, assistant professor at the uh, Institute at the UFA and research fellow at the Naturalis Biodiversity Center. Vincent does research, research into a specific type of fungi that exchanges nutrients with plants. Vincent, thank you for being here. Hello, good afternoon. <laughs> Hi. Okay, I will start it off uh, with questions before we dive into the more complex ideas. Uh, we would like to start with some basics. Uh, so actually, just to start with, what are fungi? So fungi are, apart from animals and plants, uh, basically like the third large group of multicellular organisms on Earth. Interestingly, uh, plants and animals are quite well known but fungi are at least as diverse. Um, they, we have described over probably over 100,000 different species um, over the past 200 years, so these species have a name. We don't really know how much fungi are actually out there, but there must be several millions of fungi. So we really only wow. know the top of the iceberg of the fungi. And why is that? Well, because they are often very small. Um, and we don't see them with our uh, naked with the naked eye. Um, so that's why what yeah why we know little about these fungi. They are though very essential in our uh, ecosystems um, because most fungi are actually uh, play a role in nutrient cycling. So many fungi are saprotrophic, and that means that they can break down dead material. So okay. if you have is the that in why they differ from animals or plants? That is an important difference. Not all fungi are saprotrophic. Okay. I, I will uh, we will <laughs> talk about other fungi later, but but so so that makes them quite different. Um, if they wouldn't be out there, the air, the earth would be covered with dead material because it wouldn't be degraded, um, and and so that makes them super super important. Um, and um, and yeah, and they are extremely diverse. Um, the point is, we just don't see them very well, and they have kind often a kind of a negative uh, connotation. People think about disease and molds <laughs> and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, many of the fungi, our world would be very different without fungi. And that's what we're here to talk about yes, today. Yes, exactly. Um, so I asked you just now. Uh, why it's not an animal or a plant. And you say like it's partly uh, because they break uh, off that material, right? Is there like other things that make it very different from a plant? So so fungi are often like thought to be kind of included with plants or something, but they're actually evolutionary more closely related to animals. So uh, if, if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, maybe a bit weird, but we are closer to, to a fungus than to a plant. Uh, and they're really like a separate group. So they diverged like a, a million years ago from, from, from basically from animals. Um, yeah, and they have just some unique uh, features. Um, and, and yeah, they are like extremely diverse life form basically because they are among the smallest organisms on earth. Some of them are just one cell. 
single yeah. cellular organism like yeasts, uh, the mm -hmm. fungi that make beer and, and cheese. But also the biggest organism on Earth is a fungus. So there is a fungus um, known in Oregon, uh, which covers several square kilometers uh, in the soil. So it's the, wow. the, both the largest and the smallest organisms are actually fungi. Wow. I'm sorry, can I, why is it that, that we are more similar to fungi than to plants? Like what is it about fungi that makes them like an animal? So, so, well, that is kind of hard to say, but from an evolutionary point of view, right? So all life on Earth um, kind of uh, evolved from a common ancestor, right? So, so life um, originated probably like four billion years ago, uh, and then it started like to diverge. And at, uh, at some point, 1.2 billion years ago, there was kind of a split between the lineage that led to the plants mm -hmm. and the lineage that led to fungi and animals. And yeah. those split, just split later. But you cannot show like a property of the fungi that makes them animal-like in a way. Or I'm sure there are some genes or and some functions. I don't, I don't know exactly about okay. these things that we actually share more with fungi mm -hmm. than with plants. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And uh, like plants or animals, do they... Uh, start to grow just start to grow do they are they born or are they sort of and at the end of their lives do they die or can you talk about fungi in a way that you would talk about like a plant that grows somewhere and then dies or an animal that yeah so well the, an interesting question i would say so i think yeah the life form very roughly is, is probably the same right so they have a lifespan at some point they will die um and 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 so fungi uh, at least some fungi they they disperse by spores so so if you see a mushroom in the forest so that is actually the fruiting body of a fungus not all fungi make mushrooms that's why many of them you cannot see but those who do you can actually see them when they are fruiting and these mushrooms they spread spores and the spores are kind of the seeds the equivalent of seeds in plants right so and 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 wherever these these spores land they can actually grow into new fungi new individuals that yeah. then start to kind of grow and and their body the, the like of, of a fungus is called the mycelium and it's often like a network of threads so it's like a like a yeah like a yeah a microscopic can grow very big but but yeah. you cannot see these threads hardly see it with, with the naked eye but that's really the body of a fungus okay so also this very large uh fungi in oregon the square kilometer yes. one is also like a network of yes yes okay. it's a network of of microscopic threads but it's just very big okay. so so yeah and it grows in the edges and 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 i mean it, it can it can it's very difficult to estimate like how old an organism like that is um but but our estimates are that probably yeah like just like trees or something they can probably be hundreds of years old yeah wow and is it also the case that like you said when you see the the mushrooms that are the fruits of the fungi that if you yeah so like if you see multiple mushrooms around each other that have the same or the same kind of mushroom then they all belong to the same fungus right so they actually are one yes so there is a very well known phenomenon where you are like in uh, sometimes around a tree or just in a grass field there is this ring of mushrooms and it's called a fairy ring mm -hmm. and that is basically the, the a fungus that that kind of grows in this kind of circular 
form and then probably like at the tips it, it produces these mushrooms to spread the spores and then all these mushrooms that you see are from the same individual and it makes like this circle and if, if the if the fungus is associated with a tree so with the tree roots then yeah it makes this ring around the tree so 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 yeah that is actually kind of the the an indication that it's one individual yeah how interesting uh, it's good that we're now talking about forests and trees because we're going to play the first song now. Um, and it's called A Forest by the Cure. So very fitting.
Okay, and your research focuses onto uh, a specific type of fungi, uh, namely the mycorrhiza, mycorrhiza. You just told me how to pronounce it. it? <laughs> mycorrhiza fungi. Yes. Uh, so can you tell me a bit about them? What kind of fungi are they? So these are a specific kind of fungi. So I, I said before, so many fungi are saprotrophic. They live from dead material. There is also a large group that are actually pathogenic. They cause diseases in plants and animals, even in other fungi. And then there is a third important group, which are fungi that live together with other organisms. Uh, without causing any disease. Um, and many of these are the so-called mycorrhizal fungi. And mycorrhizal fungi, they live together with the roots of plants. Uh, and almost all plants on Earth um, have these fungi in their roots. Um, so this is a, like a very old, evolutionary, very old interaction. Um, and these fungi, they, they help the plants to take up nutrients from the soil. Um, so when a plant grows, uh, if, you, if you have a, a plant at home, right, it needs light, yeah. it needs water. If you don't water the plant, it will die quickly, uh, quite quickly, but it also needs nutrients from the soil. Yeah. Things like nitrogen, phosphor, potassium. Uh, and these nutrients are often very scarce in a natural setting. Uh, so the plant ha has a lot of difficulties getting these nutrients from the soil. Um, and roots are... I mean, are capable of, of, of extracting, for example, nitrogen from the soil, but roots are quite thick. They need to grow into the soil. This fungal hyphae, so this, this network, is, uh, this fine network is way, way better of getting these nutrients from the soil. And this, so these fungi, they extract things like nitrogen from the soil and they, they give that nitrogen to the plants. But they don't do that for free because if for the fungus, there is something in it. The fungus itself cannot uh, um, produce sugars carbon, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And it gets that, so it, it, it trades this, this nitrogen and this phosphor, it trades it with the plant for sugars. So it's kind of a win-win situation, so both partners benefit from this interaction. Okay, so uh, this fungi uh, gives the tree or the plant, it gives it nitrogen, and mm -hmm. in exchange it gets carbon to grow yes. or do its yes. activities. Yes, without without an association with a plant root, this fungus cannot exist. Okay. So it really needs this association. Um, and it is super widespread. Uh, almost all plants on Earth ha actually have these fungi in, in, in their roots. Okay, and a plant, so uh, a plant on its own, the roots are not that efficient in extracting nitrogen. Uh, how come that for fungi this is more efficient? Well, fungi are, I mean, are just much kind of smaller organisms. So they make these threads in the soil. So they are way better into exploring uh, in, in yeah. the soil and, and growing uh, and extracting these nutrients. So basically you, you could see like this fungus is kind of an extension of the root of a plant. Okay. So the plant, the root of course grows into the soil, but then with this fungus, it can actually grow much farther and, and it can explore yeah. the soil much, much, uh, much more extensively. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And how then exactly does the fungi give the nutrients to the plant? So that, that's an interesting, uh, yeah, that's an interesting inter interaction that I think we are still learning about. Um, so some fungi, they really grow like a kind of a, um, yeah, they, they really cover the, 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 the root tips uh, mm -hmm. with like their fungal matter. And there, there is some kind of exchange. So it's really a kind of a, a biochemical exchange of, of carbon for nutrients. Um, yeah. Many of these mycorrhizal fungi, they are actually way more intimate and they grow inside of the cells of the plant root. 
So so it, that that is really remarkable because I mean so yeah. so the, the, the organisms really like yeah they they fuse so so if you have okay. a, a root basically of a plant it's basically a mix of plant and fungi. Interesting. I'm yeah. trying to sort of visualize this. Uh, so the cell. Uh, do you can you still talk about like then separately the plant cell and the fungi? Is it still yeah, so you can see if you if you you can see this in through in a, through a microscope, you can mm -hmm. see you have an individual cell of of a plant uh, inside the root of a plant, and then basically the fungus grows inside of it, enters the cell, uh, and it it makes often this like tree like structure. Yeah. So and and there like the exchange occurs. Um, but it's yeah, it's very intimate because I mean, so I mean, not a lot of organisms will allow like an other species to to grow inside of their cells. So so it's a it's a remarkable yeah, remarkably intimate interaction. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that uh, symbiotic almost. Yes. Or, yeah, it yeah, is a symbiotic yeah. interaction okay. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's called a mutualism because both partners benefit from this interaction. Yeah. So. Um, Often people say, okay, so the, the, the two organisms kind of help each other. That's a bit of a naive way of saying it. Ultimately, it's all about competition, right? So this plant needs nutrients to grow. And uh, by, by teaming up with fungi, it can get more nutrients than maybe another plant growing next to it, not getting nutrients from fungi. Yeah. And for the fungi, it's the same. It will grow only with plants from which they get a lot of carbon. So it's really more like a uh, both partners yeah. want to get the maximum out of it. For they are not just for helping. Yeah, for themselves, yeah. they are not just helping the other organism. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm reading here that you recently received a big grant to do research uh, into the networks of the mycorrhiza fungi. And uh, I want to know maybe a bit more about this uh, research project and what's the main hypothesis for the research that you're going to do. So, so. Something really cool, I think, about these mycorrhizal fungi is so they, 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 they link, so they grow from a plant root into the soil, but they also have the ability to link plants of different species because, so these fungi, they grow into the soil, and if you are, for example, in a forest or in a grassland, of course, there are multiple plant species. And, and yep. a fungus, uh, it, it can cover many square meters, uh, sometimes even more, way bigger. Yep. So it can interact simultaneously with many different plants. And so it creates kind of underground links between plants. Um, and f already, f I mean, for two decades, I've been studying very, very strange plants deep in the rainforest that actually use these networks to obtain carbon. Um, and so these are they are very weird plants. They they can grow without light. They, they don't yeah. uh, do photosynthesis. Um, mm -hmm. So a normal plant would do photosynthesis, fixes carbon, and gives some of this carbon to these mycorrhizal fungi. Yeah. This plant actually takes up the carbon from the mycorrhizal fungi. So these small plants deep in the rainforest, they are very rare. Um, <laughs> they actually steal carbon from surrounding plants through these shared fungal links. Um, and this was always thought to be extremely rare, uh, exceptional interaction. Yeah. Uh, what we are now seeing, or basically the hypothesis of this, of this research grant, is that actually probably many plants, also here in the Netherlands, can actually do this. So they can take up carbon from these mycorrhizal networks. Um, and why would they do that? Well, if you are growing in a forest and you are yeah. a seedling of a tree or you are a small herb, um, light can actually be quite limiting because yeah. there is cover, uh, the big trees, they take most up most of the light. And to compensate for this lack of light, um, 
getting some extra carbon from fungi um, is actually a quite nice thing to do. Um, yeah. And and so we are now thinking that actually this 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 ability of plants to take up carbon from these mycorrhizal fungi might be very widespread. But that, we're not sure yet. We will have to find it out in in this grant. Very interesting. It sounds a bit like sort of an economic model. Yes. Of Yes, exactly. It, it, and the the interaction between these plants and mycorrhizal fungi has exactly been described as a, as an economic, uh, basically a fair. Usually, it's considered a fair trade model, yeah. because there is very interesting research that a plant. So a plant usually associates with many different species of these mycorrhizal fungi, tens, hundreds of species simultaneously, but somehow how that works we don't know. It can give more carbon to the fungus from which it receives more nutrients. So it can really kind of okay. reward. Okay, you are a good partner. I give you more, right? Wow. And the fungus exactly the same. The fungus uh, is is growing with That's multiple it. different plants, and it will give more nutrients from the plant it gets more carbon. How do they remember that? We have no. <laughs> it's it's really really it's really nice. I think uh, and 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 I, it, there is there is really like like strategies behind it because for things like nitrogens, there 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 it's not homogeneously distributed in the soil. So there are places with a lot of nitrogen, places with very little nitrogen. Um, and what fungi apparently can do is, so they can take up nitrogen in a place where there is a lot of nitrogen. But if it would trade this nitrogen there with the plants that grow there, it cannot, it, it, it's, it's not very expensive because the plants can also get this nitrogen with their roots. Yeah. So these fungi, yeah. they transport this nitrogen to a place where there is very little nitrogen. Very, and, and there it's way more expensive so they can trade it for more carbon. So it's really like demand and supply? Yes, the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of considered a fair trade system. Interestingly, kind of in parallel with what also happens in, in human fair trade system, there, there is also some cheating. And so these plants I was talking about deep in the rainforest, they cheat the system, right? So they, yeah. instead of giving carbon, they're actually stealing carbon <laughs> from the network. And somehow they remain undetected. Um, they are very small, so probably they, they steal very little and, and probably the fungus gets kind of tricked uh, into, into giving carbon. Um, and yeah, so we now think that maybe this interaction might be actually much more common. And what probably happens in a forest is that yeah, there are these big trees, they fix a lot of carbon, a, lo a considerable amount of carbon goes into this mycorrhizal network. And that's, yeah, some, some understory plants or seedlings of trees that are struggling, they can actually kind of, yeah, take up some of that carbon. So that that's, I think, yeah, quite an exciting hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Really cool story. Uh, so also before this interview, I read in the uh, Parole uh, that on behalf of the city of Amsterdam, you also have done some research on these types of networks. I was wondering what uh, does the city of Amsterdam want to do with this kind of information? So, so this, so yeah, this this kind of uh, knowledge can help us, uh, I think, to better, um, yeah, to to better support plants also in the city. So usually when we when we think of a forest, we think of a collection of trees. But these mycorrhizal networks actually show that it is a community with a lot of interactions and, and these things depend on each other. So this network is essential for the for, for basically for the plants to get nutrients from the soil. And um, so what we are trying to see is that um, so 
the, the you have the, the you have in Amsterdam you have a lot of ulmus trees, so the city the, the trees that are planted in the city, right? Yeah. And of course, a, a tree that is growing in a city street it's a very unnatural situation, right? Because yeah. a tree basically evolved to grow in a forest and to be surrounded by other trees. Yeah. Um, and and so it gives this very kind of artificial um, situation where where the question is, does a tree like that also have these mycorrhizal fungi? These mycorrhizal fungi, because there's only this tree, they, they probably have a very, like, um, yeah, they cannot compete very well because they can only kind of uh, trade their, their nutrients with this single tree. Yeah. And so we are looking into this, this, these networks of these mycorrhizal fungi. Um, and and how, kind of our hypothesis is if you have multiple plant species in a place or in a park, for example, we sampled in the Vondelpark. Yeah. We also sampled trees in, in the Keizersgracht where there is just, uh, uh, just city trees, tree. right? Yeah. That that actually, uh, if you have a more diverse and a, and a more better developed network of these mycorrhizal fungi that are linked to multiple plants, you could probably get a, an ecosystem or a system that is, that is a bit more... Um, resilient against stresses just as heat and, okay. and, and drought and things like that. Yeah. And so I yeah. also uh, heard uh, before that trees that are standing alone, like the ones on the Keizerschaft, mm -hmm. they sort of fall uh, when it's when there's a storm, they are uh, quicker to fall than trees in the forest. Is, that, is this also like sort of do they get stronger through these? Well, I, I think... There may be various reasons why why trees, I think, in the street are are are, are more they are also more exposed, right, yeah. to to high winds and stuff like that. But it is true that in that trees in the city, they are often uh, often doing very poorly. Yeah. They they don't get very old. They have a lot of diseases. Um, uh, and and actually for the city, it, it this costs quite a lot of money because they have yeah. to maintain, manage these trees. They have to uh, to make sure that dead branches are removed. So so it, it uh, for them it's also very interesting to find ways actually to create tree communities that are more healthy. Yeah. Um, and and that probably requires a bit of a different strategy. Instead of planting like single trees in a street, maybe create like small spaces of. Uh, of green with multiple species and that probably those communities of, of plants will be better um, protected or resilient against climate change and heat and things like that. Very cool. Thank you. So it goes a lot further than just academic interests. It's also yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This, I think relevance. this, yes, this knowledge is, is now, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to get money for a large project in which in the Netherlands we want to plant uh, 37,000 hectares of new trees by 2030. Uh, planting new forests is one of these strategies against climate change, is, yeah. is to mitigate biodiversity loss. But we actually have no idea how to do this efficiently. Because planting a forest is not just planting trees. If you do that, often this, it goes yeah. very poorly. The trees die, they, they suffer a lot. So basically you also want to to plant also this, this small ecosystem and you want to introduce also these microbes and these fungi um, so that this, 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 yeah, these forests, these new forests can develop into healthy ecosystems. Really cool. Uh, thank you. It's time for the next song. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a Slow Burn Storms by Plant43.
So as I said uh, in the introduction, there are some scientists who have put forth the idea that plants can communicate through these um, fungal networks. And um, people have therefore also started to refer to these networks as the wood wide web if they occur in a forest, because they say that uh, as the internet, it's a network that the, the plants can use to send signals to each other and communicate. Um, so before uh, we ask you for your opinion on this claim, um, can you can you think of the reasons why scientists argue that that plants can communicate with each other through the fungal networks? Well, this is based on some experiments. There have been done some experiments where you see that basically people grow two plants in in a lab and they are connected by these mycorrhizal fungi um, in the soil um, and then one plant is attacked by insects, uh, insects eat the leaves, it's a lot of stress for that plant. And what you do see is in some cases that the other plant who is not attacked by insects but who is connected to the, to the first plant by these mycorrhizal fungi uh, also starts to react and starts to actually make some, some, uh, some, yeah, some chemical defenses or something. So there seems to be some kind of exchange of information. Uh, which is not completely um, unique in the plant world. Plants can take up all, all kinds of information, mm -hmm. also through the air, for example. Um, yeah, they can actually detect some gases and they can start to react on it uh, mm -hmm. because then they know that some predator or some, some pest is close by or something like that. So, uh, so it's based on these observations that people uh, claim that these networks can be used for yeah exchange of information yeah and and what kind of uh, how does the one plant that is attacked by the insects um send information that is ongoing research okay. um it there can be two ways chemical or electrical i think the, mm -hmm. the electrical uh, hypothesis is, is quite recent mm. um, um quite exciting if actually that would happen mm -hmm. um, um the more kind of I think the more uh, um, yeah conservative approach would be that somehow there is some kind of chemical signaling that that is that that yeah that goes through this fungal network and that that actually that the plant can pick up yeah um, yeah and I also heard about um, aside from using the fungal network that uh, scientists argue that trees for example can um, have they send out a type of pheromone. To other trees, yes, and and even I heard about s that they can make a type of sound that other trees can pick up on, like a kind of crack. I don't know the English word, like I don't know, <laughs> like a, a noise. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I know that that I mean you can kind of th there is some electrical I think currencies going on in fungal hyphae, and you can actually um, translate that into sound. Mm. Um, I. I'm not really sure whether that would have any function. Mm -hmm. uh, I think many organisms somehow, I mean, have, have electrical currencies, currencies going on through mm -hmm. them. And, and so you can actually translate that into sound, but I, I'm not sure whether that means anything necessarily. No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, about the electrical current, do humans also have an electrical current running? Through? I would I would assume so, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in this, but no. I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but so, what, um, yeah, what, what do you think, do you think that we can 
say that that plants communicate with each other because they send these um, signals through through chemical reactions? Do you think we can call it communication? Well, it's a very human way of looking at these phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, something is definitely going on. First, maybe it's. I think it's important to realize that these networks and these interactions between plants and these mycorrhizal fungi, in the first place, it's a it's a nutritional thing, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's it's really essential for the plant to to these fungi are essential to take up these nutrients, and that's really, I think, would say the first function of of this interaction. Um, and nevertheless, I, I think. It, it is quite possible. I mean, you also you always have to look at it from a perspective of, of kind of competition, right? So for a plant, it's really important to take up signals from around itself to see, are there any pests coming? Are, so, mm -hmm. so, and, and that actually delivers a kind of competitive advantage uh, next to a plant that cannot do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I am quite sure that, that probably these fungi can play a role in, in detecting dangers or, or stresses or something like that. Um, so in, in that way, it, it, it might be kind of communication. Um, I would be very careful with like the human interpretation. So mm -hmm. what doesn't happen is that one tree kind of warns other trees through this network. So no? it's not sending out like a warning signal. <laughs> um, why would it do that? No, I mean, the other trees that are around this tree, they are competitors, right? So. So mm. you, you want basically to, to have, uh, I mean, to, to win the evolutionary race and you want to put your, your genes into the next generation. Yes. Um, but things happen. The, the, the species, is, a plant is attacked by, by, by insects or something and, and chemically stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And maybe another plant right next to it can pick up on that. And if it can, it's actually an advantage for that plant. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so in, in that sense, I mean, it, I, would, I wouldn't really call it communication but i would say yeah it, it's it's basically picking up information from the environment through the air to fungal networks maybe directly to the soil um to to get a competitive advantage over other plants growing in the same system um, yeah so but maybe we could say that like um calling it communication seems as if they as if the tree interprets the information and like has yes has a can think about what it means and has feelings about it. Is that why you think it's wrong to call it communication? Well, I think you can argue about the, the, the exact uh, kind of understanding of what you, mm -hmm. yeah, what you mean with communication. Um, so I, I think, I mean, the, the, the plan definitely can interpret some signals. Um, and and uh, I mean, if, it's, if, it, if it gets dry, it's, it's also a signal, right? And it, it will react on that. Um, but do they associate meaning with? Well, <laughs> it, it's a, a meaning in the sense that, that you have to look at it from an evolutionary perspective. Um, if it interprets correctly, uh, it can actually anticipate on some yes. stresses or something yeah. like that, and it has more likely it's more likely to survive. So in that sense, yes, it can interpret mm. some signals, mm -hmm. uh, and and basically all organisms somehow can do that. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, of course, it's I, I would say it's one step too far to really say that that plants are talking to each other or something like that. No, it plants are really using all kinds of systems. To, to understand basically the world around them, understand is maybe a dangerous word, but to interpret and, and to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think 
there is this idea that if you walk through a forest, that this is, uh, I mean, so this is kind of in harmony, right? And mm -hmm. maybe the trees talk to each other. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's actually, I mean, all these species are competing, right? If you are in a forest, these trees, they are competing for light, for water, for resources, mm -hmm. and they are using any way possible to, to take, yeah, to take advantage and, and to, to outcompete uh, the tree that is next, next to it. So, so, and then any, any kind of advantage and any signal that it can, interpret or, or, or react on yeah, can, can be a competitive advantage for this tree. Yeah, um, I heard that some scientists even argue that you can say that in a sense um, a plant or I think it was specifically about trees that they you can say they have a type of brain because they they do process information and they can apparently also store information and learn by um, by yeah, by experience, basically, uh, something about that they learned that if they keep their leaves open, something good happens, something like that. Do you also think you could say that a tree has a brain? Uh, well, it it, uh, it it's very dangerous to use these these uh, these kind of human interpretations like brain and memory. But it is true that that uh, for example, there is the the the, the Venus flytrap, which is a carnivorous plant, mm -hmm. which catches uh, it, it's it's uh, insects with with its leaves. Um, and it has this system that, that it has these hairs that you need to touch, but you need to touch them twice before it closes. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, you could say this plant can count because it can count to two yeah. and <laughs> then it, only then it reacts. But this is kind of a, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a system that evolved, right? Because plants that, that closed immediately after one touch, probably they, they didn't catch a lot of prey because any fallen leaf or something, it would close, it would be a lot of energy investment for nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so it would be less fit compared to a plant that actually only close after touching it twice. Mm -hmm. So so it's it's all mechanisms that have evolved um, um, and that somehow, um, yeah, got these plants like a competitive uh, advantage over other individuals that, that, that react differently. Yeah. So... Um, and that's how it works. And whether you could then call that memory or, or like a, a brain or understanding, I, I think for me, that's maybe one step too far. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, yeah, these things, they have a function and, mm -hmm. and they, they are optimized for, for the environment that these plants are, are living in. Yeah. Um, this researcher, Suzanne Simar, who, who wrote a lot about this topic, she was was criticized, um, I believe, by other scientists because she was humanizing the trees too extremely, but she argued that she felt that it um, made people more sensible to and respectful to nature and make them more um, willing to, you know, do something about climate change and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I do find that interesting. No, I understand that. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin, right? I, I think it is really important that we explain to people how, how things work and yeah. what we learn. Um, there is always this danger of maybe getting one step too far and making it into kind of a fairy tale, which is at some point not in line with reality. Yeah. Uh, so this whole idea about the mother tree that was proposed by Suzanne Simard, mm -hmm. which was is basically the idea that that old trees in the forest will use these mycorrhizal networks to give carbon to their seedlings. Yes. Um, so we know that that seedlings can actually take up carbon from these mycorrhizal networks. Uh, the problem of the point is that that of course once a big tree gives carbon to the mycorrhizal fungi, it cannot decide anymore where this 
where this carbon ends up. So it it can also go to a seedling of a competitor tree. Yeah. Right. So so I think that is maybe the one step too far, like this interpretation. Um, so uh, personally, I, I think we. I mean, we should always stay close to the truth. I think you can you can you can simplify it a bit. Um, but but I mean, at some point, I think yeah, you 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 shouldn't. You should say you shouldn't say things that are really not true. Yes. So yeah. so I, I think yeah the criticism from the scientific world on on, on that is is I think is understandable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so very fittingly, we will now play "I Talk to the Trees" by the Talbot Brothers. Oh, but there is a slight problem. <laughs> I talk to the trees, but they don't listen to me. I talk to the stars, but they never hear me. The breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what I say. I talk to them all in vain But suddenly my words reach someone else's ears But someone else's heart swings too I'll tell you my dreams and while you listen to me I suddenly see them come true I can see you someday in April night at a table underneath the stars having supper by a the strumming of guitars I would tell you how I pass the day Only thinking how the night will dream And I'll find these little words to say All the things you mean to me I talk to the trees But they don't stars but they never hear me a breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what I say I talk to them all So um, before we already touched upon, or you you argued that uh, we should really think of trees or individual plants as as um, competing competing with other with other plants, um, but um, this whole idea about trees that warn each other uh, or plants that warn each other um, it has led. Uh, also, it has also inspired um, this science writer, 
um, Peter Wollebe in his book The Hidden Life of Trees, where he really argues for this idea that we should actually think of a forest as a kind of super organism, as these trees living together in a community um, and uh, because they help each other and stuff. Um, well, you already kind of pointed out that you maybe do not agree with this, but I wonder what you think, uh, because uh, like if one tree helps another tree and it makes them better, then evolutionarily it could have made old trees like wanting to help each other because then as a group they survive. Like, can we not think of evolution also as as being a group that needs to survive and not just an individual? So yeah, it is, I mean, it is possible that, so I, I would say a, a forest, for example, is an ecosystem and, and species compete uh, with, with each other. Uh, but at the same po at the same time, they, they, there are species are doing things that, that can, can maintain like this ecosystem because that is the niche that is the place where they do do best right so and that that can indirectly maybe help organ other organisms hey, if you have a tree of course yeah birds will make nests in these trees because they need trees to make nests and things like that so so there are these kind of feedbacks i would say uh, so I disagree with the fact that 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 a, a forest is a, is a, is is all in harmony. No, I, all these species are kind of competing for their space and resources. But at the same time, it is a very complex uh, community of 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 species. And if you want to understand, and if you want to get um, healthy ecosystems with a lot of surfaces, we therefore it's really important to see these ecosystems with all of their species, including the fungi in the soil and, and, and the, uh, the, the insects on, 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 the, on the leaves and things like that. So, so it is important to have this holistic view to understand ecosystems. Um, I wouldn't say that, that it's, 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 very, uh, it's a harmony, I would say. No, it's, it's, mm. it's competition, it's very dynamic, things also change and, and uh, a forest evolves over time, develops over time and, and species get extinct and, and, and new species appear and stuff like that. So, so it's, a, it's a very dynamic um, yeah, community of, of, of species. But why would the trees then like, send out signals to warn each other about like insects in the first place if all they want is to survive individually so I, I don't think they really send out signals, but but mm. they 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 for example they defend themselves and that that uh, will causes, release something okay, that yeah. another tree can then interpret. Oh, there are there are there is a, a problem around, mm -hmm. and and that is how I think it works. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I see what you mean. Um, and but we for before we also talked about like a tree living alone in the city. Like, couldn't you say like, oh, this tree needs to be in a in the tree community to survive because on their own they're more um open to like changes in the climate to storms it's harder to get nutrients exactly okay. and that's why trees are doing very poorly usually in a city growing yeah. alone because that's not where they are uh, evolved to to, to they, they are mm -hmm. adapted to live in a forest yeah um, and and they are doing often a lot better in 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 the in the forest yeah yeah okay and i think that is a nice message to uh, yes. conclude with so in the past hour we have learned about the symbiotic relation uh, between the fungi and trees we've also heard a lot of different pronunciations of fungi fungi <laughs> Um, so uh, you talked about the networks that they form between plants and how this sort of relates to a fair trade market uh, model. Um, 
and how it is important also for society to learn about these relations and these networks to uh, make forests and trees more resilient to, for example, climate change. Uh, however, to speak of a wood white web, uh, you wouldn't do that. You're a bit skeptical of like the communication or the social status of a tree, uh, and especially about like interpreting a tree as a as a person or a fungal network as a person. Um, well, with that, I would like to thank you a lot, Vincent, uh, for joining us today, sharing your research with us and our listeners. Uh, next month, we will be on a Christmas break, but from January on, we're back again with coolest research stories. And if you have suggestions about topics or questions, uh, please reach out to us via email, Instagram, or our brand new Twitter account at Talk.Science. Have a very nice Thursday, and we will play now the last song. It's called Glass. <laughs>